Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea. I'm Christy. This is Josh. We're so glad you're back with us today. Today, we are continuing our series on 1999, the album from 1982. That's right. We've got videos, we've got B-sides, we've got a dance mix, We've got some outtakes. Yeah, and uh, an unreleased. Okay, Not sure. A, an alternate versions, I right. think, is what yes. you're thinking of. Yes, I'm thinking alternate versions. Yes. Yeah, last time we covered the album proper. The entire two discs. The, yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, it ended up being one disc. We've covered longer, or as long albums that were single albums. We have, but, but we could have just covered half of it. But we just crammed it all in there. We didn't cram it. It was a pretty long episode. <laughs> but okay. it's worth a listen. <laughs> we continued talking for a long time. We did. We did. I'd like to give a quick shout out. We're going to talk about the videos first. Okay. And I want to give a little shout out to Anil Dash, who uh-huh. wrote an excellent article about every single video Prince ever made. And I did not find it until I was doing research for this one. Okay. So I hadn't read it in the past, but it's really great. And I'm sure I'll refer to it in the future. And oh, cool. Yeah. He's the CEO of a company who's special. I want to see on CNN of mm-hmm. people who aren't running for president. Right. Yeah. So we're going to jump into the videos. All right. This was right. the first album that had, I mean, there were videos for the Dirty Mind area, even... I want to be your lover from Prince, but this sort of had thematic videos and they all sort of were connected a little bit, but they were mostly stage performances, stage lip syncs. Right. And this was really like at the beginning of MTV. So before when they made videos, it was maybe a a Friday night show that was on late where they showed some videos. Uh This is the first time there were videos made where there was an entire network at that time dedicated to playing music videos. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it was really important. For what, 12 years? Yeah, something like that. It was great. Yeah. It was great in the 80s and the early 90s -hmm. when you could actually watch videos. Yes. Yeah, it was great. So we're going to start with the 1999 video itself, title track. Right. Yep. Yeah, so there were actually three of these videos that were filmed at the same time yeah. before the start of the 1999 tour. So I'm sure they were rehearsing, they had the stage set up, the lights were set up, and they're like, hey, good opportunity to uh, maximize some value here Yeah. and shoot a few videos while yeah. we're all together. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. Exactly. It was early November 1982 mm-hmm. at the Minneapolis Armory. Right, which we were just talking about is the site for this year's celebration that Paisley Park is putting on. There's mm-hmm. a live concert with uh, supposedly unseen footage of Prince, and he'll be accompanied by a live band. That's super cool. Which is neat, all happening at the very same spot where these three videos mm-hmm. were shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, it was the final week of rehearsals before they started the tour, and they were right. like, hey, you know what? It's a busy week of final rehearsals. Let's throw in making some videos in there. Well, they probably had costumes set up yeah. and lighting rigs done, all those things that were not cheap, especially back then. You know, you hired crews to do this. To, yes. So all those people were together in one place. They knew they were all going to be there. The entire band was there. Uh-huh. And this was shot with basically the revolution, with the exception of Wendy yeah. being not officially a member of the band yet and Des Dickerson being lead guitarist. Yep. For 1999, 
automatic and let's pretend we're married. The director was Bruce Gowers. Okay. So it makes sense that he directed all three of these since they were recorded all at the same time. He did lots and lots of music videos around oh, this not, time. He had, I did not look him up. I, I did. He right. has an extensive resume of videos that he directed and helped produce at this time. Very notably, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Really? Yes, he did a, a number of Queen videos. Um, I had no idea. Well, that's neat because Queen is a personal favorite of yours. It is, yes. I have the so long that's a been nice a connection. favorite. Shortly before Freddie Mercury passed away was about when I discovered them. So uh-huh. it was quite the heartbreaking time. But right. man... So this, like you mentioned, this performance video. Right. But it's a, them on a stage. There's no... Not a story. These aren't uh, conceptual videos. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, not to put down the genre of live performance lip sync videos, but that's what this was at the time. There just wasn't like a... You know, they weren't running a cinnamon girl out there yeah, to yes. tell the story, literally. <laughs> yeah, there, it was less adding to the fiction behind the stories and more just a chance to see the band performing. Yeah, it was just like a chance to get to know their personalities and you saw some of Prince's playfulness too. He had some great facial expressions because most of the shots on all three of these videos are tight shots on band members' faces. Uh-huh. And Lisa and Jill Jones with their hands together kind of <laughs> sensually on the keyboard. and <laughs> Pretending, you know, like Lisa's helping... Jill, Jill play or play. vice versa. Yeah. yeah. This marks the first appearance of Jill Jones in a video. It does. So yeah. she was a little hidden underneath a police cap. Uh-huh. In yeah. some of the videos. Yeah. In, in until some. the police cap decided to change heads. Uh-huh. Which we'll talk about. <laughs> yes. But yeah, Jill Jones was in this with her blonde hair, bleach blonde hair. So if you don't recognize her, you'll know her from her blonde hair in Purple Rain. Yes. She's carrying that same look in these videos. Yes. I was so pleased to see how much nicer Prince's hair looked than in the Dirty Mind videos. Right. This Well, it had improved for controversy, which is a period we have not covered yet. But yes, Dirty Mind, certainly he had some pretty bad Dudley Moore kind of hair. <laughs> yeah. He just, you know... It was, quite the, style. It it was, was like the style. It was like the afro was mastered, out, and yeah. it was kind of straightened, and it was all sort of like a one length, and the curl was gone, yeah, and kind a little... of the thicker mustache, and <laughs> it was kind of. He needed some product, man. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but... It was sort of natural, but also not, since it was straightened back then. But right, yeah, definitely had gotten towards well, you know this... the purple rain era look. Sort of started to evolve here. Yeah, well, this is, he's got the opportunity to have a little more assistance with his hair. Oh, he definitely he's, had assistance with his hair, and everyone's wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. Men as much as the girls. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. He made some really funny faces, a lot of come hither eyes, and right. this one was fun. Yeah. And how is it that of all the band members that you get a tight shot on their face singing, Prince is the worst at the lip syncing? <laughs> I don't think he liked doing it. I don't for think one he thing. did either. So it was probably you know <laughs> but he was super the, overacting too. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like the funny. acting part, didn't like the lip syncing part. I guess so. That was reflected in uh, the quality of the performance, right? But just if you could just watch his eyes during this video, then there's a lot. To, oh yeah, a lot to appreciate. Yeah, it was fun. He was engaged in many ways. 
the moving his mouth to his own lyrics was probably <laughs> the least of those. Yes, if he could have re-recorded it live for the videos, I think he'd have preferred that. Which but I don't see why he couldn't have. The band was there, the lights were there, the instruments were there, but that was just the thing. To promote the song, you want to hear the song. You didn't want to hear the live version, I guess. And I guess. He would do that later, but this wasn't one of those times. Right. You know, his purple trench coat, purple flashy trench coat mm-hmm. made its first appearance in this video, which is yeah. very, very cool. So, you know, costumes and some things had really started to take on a life of their own. Yeah, no band. more thrift store jackets. Right. This was more, much more tailored and uh-huh. specific and for him. Yeah. Yeah, for all the members of the band. Yeah. You know, save for Dr. Fink, who continues to wear the teal scrubs to this very day. Bless him. Thing. You know what? That was probably a really smart choice because scrubs are comfortable. So they it's are. like wearing pajamas. Yep. He was really smart to give himself a brand. <laughs> They're that easy was, to swap out when yeah. they get stinky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can get them anywhere. You're on tour. You yeah. spill something on it. Yeah, medical supply. There's a medical it's supply there. store somewhere. And if there's not, Amazon yeah. delivers, you know, in some places, two hours. So, you know, you can have your scrubs. So let's move on to the Let's Pretend We're Married video. Okay, from 1999 to Let's Pretend We're Married. Mm-hmm. As we talked about in the last episode, this was like an easy edit for a single because you just fade it out when it turns dirty yeah. and that's basically <laughs> what the what the video does pretty much you don't again. have to censor it you just edit it at whatever the four minute mark is that yeah. makes it radio friendly and all problems were solved <laughs> there you go he didn't have to censor himself he just ended it early yeah so the only thing that's weird about this to me is you know let's pretend we're married as a prince performance and it's basically Lindrum and synthesizers and maybe a little bit of bass. Uh-huh. But, you know, we have a full band performing and pretending to perform. And I don't know, when you become super familiar with the music and you're not just watching it to kind of sing along, oh, uh-huh. I like the song, it becomes a little strange yeah. to see people in a video playing instruments that aren't on the song anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they would have been on the song when they were touring. Yeah. If they had been performing live, which they were not doing, although they were pretending to. So it's this weird (laughs) (laughs) wormhole of performances that make this video. But yeah, I think if you've seen, honestly, honestly, if you've seen the 1999 video. You've seen the Let's Pretend We're Married. Let's Pretend We're Married video. (laughs) Just play Let's Pretend You're Married (laughs) video or We're Married video in your brain. In your brain while this video is playing. Same set, same lights, same costumes. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was a jacket change. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, very, very similar. I mean, you've got to give it to them. You know, branding is about consistency. And they were very consistent with these two, two videos. So. If you didn't like 1999, you probably didn't like the video for Let's Pretend We're Married and vice versa. Yeah. Well, and this didn't really get a actual release until right. it showed up on the official YouTube channel just Yeah, it was a a more of a ago. promotional video like yeah. you were explaining before that maybe wasn't meant for MTV but was meant for late night videos shows or other yeah. promo materials. Mm-hmm. That kind of it stuff. wasn't something that got a lot of mm-hmm. heavy rotation. This marks the final performance of Des Dickerson in a Prince video. So Let's Pretend We're Married was filmed after Automatic? Uh, it was filmed the same week. Dez is in automatic. He also. is. He is. But this was 
Oh, released the re- after. The released after. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So after this, Des would leave the band because of you know, personal beliefs and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about that later, too. Yeah. <laughs> Des looks a little bored playing his one note on the keyboard. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, that wasn't his instrument anyway. No. <laughs> yeah. And I was wondering if it was cold in there because Prince was wearing gloves. Just a little know. weird. I guess he Gloves didn't play an instrument. Yeah, he didn't play an instrument in any of these videos, right. even though he played nearly every instrument on the studio tracks. So, again, I look back and I think, you know, for a lot of reasons you can think that Prince is a little selfish and controlling, but he was also into trying to build a, like, community, multicultural band and gave everyone a role to fill and relinquished... Some of the things he did himself, he has videos where other musicians are instrument syncing his parts, and it doesn't look like he's playing an instrument at all, even though he was the one behind everything. Right. Well, I wanted to talk about that one before we talked about Automatic. Okay. Because Automatic is a little bit different. It it starts out Uh the same as a performance video. Yes, that's very true. And then it does have a little story in it, or some... some Ends up with a story-ish. It has some things to look at, (laughs) I guess you could say. (laughs) So this is the part where Jill Jones's hat from 1999, the police-type hat, ends up on Prince's head for automatic. Yeah. And we have this iconic silhouette of him kind of just standing there, moving slowly in very sleek and choreographed kind of princely way Mm -hmm. when the show, when when the video starts, which is pretty cool. It originally was a promo release only because Uh it was deemed too risque for MTV. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. They sent it to MTV, and MTV deemed it too risque and would not play it. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, okay. It was deemed too risque. Right. Yeah, so it got got play on the Playboy channel. (laughs) Which he probably loved. (laughs) Which he, I'm sure he didn't mind. At least not then. Right. It did get an official release on on the YouTube channel for... Prince, right. posthumously. Right, by his estate. Yes. Yeah, so you can see all these videos on the Prince YouTube channel. We get funny faces from Prince and Dr. Fink. Yes. Jill Jones, you don't realize it when they're in close on Jill and Lisa's face. You don't realize how skimpy her outfit is until they give you a look right up her Yes, the ankle cam. Front. Yeah, the ankle cam. Yeah, yeah see- she's just wearing her black bra and underwear yeah, it's underneath hip, her trench coat. and cheeks and the whole deal. Yes. <laughs> Which that could be part of the reason why they deemed it. That's part of the reason probably why they deemed it too risque was there a lot of there was a lot of skin shown. Uh-huh. Yes. And then they did this cool timing with the lights uh-huh. and Behind the fog. Him? Yes. Yeah. It was really well it done. Was, it was really well Shot done. Shot with what I would say all these three videos have a very borderline home video look to them like they were recorded on camcorders yeah they're a little granular yeah it does not look like they were shot on film it looks like they were shot with a camcorder right kind of quality but the things they were able to achieve with actual effects just with lighting behind prints and like you said fog machines and gels and that kind of thing did give it a really unique look and feel Mm -hmm. very successfully jill and lisa have cigarettes and a bed rolls on the stage. Yeah, Prince tumbles onto the bed. <laughs> his yeah, his his heel cladded feet are up in the air as he falls over. Uh-huh. Exaggerating. Yeah. Know. And then the ladies join him on the bed. 
Yes. And proceed to tie him to the bed. Which is a little the opposite of how I pictured it listening to the song. It sounds like Prince is the one in control and will be having his way with his person of choice. Yeah. But in the video, it's, uh, well, it's two on one, first of all. And Prince is pretty small. <laughs> so so ch- is the opposite. Jill and Lisa decide... We're going to tie you up to this bed, or mm-hmm. so they'd have you believe, <laughs> yeah, unless because... you watch closely. <laughs> Tell us. So This I'd is the never, thing you noticed. I'd never noticed this before watching this video. So Prince is on the bed, his hands are above his head, and there's a brass, you know, pulled headboard behind him. His hands are interlocked behind his bed and behind one of the brass poles, and the women come and tie him up with a handkerchief or yeah, well, whatever, long, a long black, black cloth. piece of cloth, yeah. Right. Instead of putting the cloth on the outside of the bedpost, which would theoretically lock his hands in position, it's tied on the wrong side of the bedpost, so uh-huh. he could have easily just gotten up and put his clothes back on and walked away. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't so there are there are a number of parts point. where there's even close-ups of uh. his hands tied. And we <laughs> and had to stop and I'm like, wait a wait a minute. <laughs> this is maybe he knew a little less about bondage than he would have you think. Yeah, or maybe he just wanted to make sure that he could get a beverage in between takes. Maybe it was uh yeah, like some kind of union safety <laughs> thing that they said, No no, put that cloth on this side of the bedpost, would you? Union safety thing. I will see if I can get a screenshot of that and put it on our social media. If you'd like to find us on social media, you can do that on Twitter at TMATS Podcast, T-M-A-T-S Podcast, or on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince Podcast, or you can send us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. I laughed a lot when I realized that. I've not seen anyone talk about that anywhere before. It was just we were watching these things, and I was you know, paying closer attention than I usually do. I'm not super huge into Prince videos, at least yeah. like uh, also, videos for yeah. songs. It's not really something that I, I've got them all, but I never really got super into them or you know, studied them, that kind of thing. It's visit them Nowadays. occasionally. Nowadays, in the order yeah. we're doing it, we've got certain sections of his career that we're looking at closely so it's fun to go back and watch two or three videos that were shot you know Mm -hmm. many many years ago now but i certainly had never noticed that part before (laughs) a couple days ago when we were watching automatic all right so those were the three that were all filmed at the armory in early november of 82 right and then we have the little red corvette video now this one was also during Tour rehearsals, but it was in January of '83. Yeah, like the second leg of the tour, right? Mm-hmm. Like they'd done some touring. They yeah, took a little a break. break, probably for the holidays or whatever post holidays, yeah. and then. As they were finishing up rehearsals for the second leg of the tour, they filmed this one in late January of 1983 at the Civic Center in Lakeland, Florida. Right. And this was the song or the single that kind of put this album into real high popularity. So those first three videos were shot. It was a little bit of a sleeper hit, and Little Red Corvette was the single and video that really launched it into right. the mainstream. Well, and this was this, and I don't remember which one, but a Michael Jackson video. Really, they called it Smashing the Color Barrier on MTV. MTV because yeah. up to this point, they had really only played white artists. Right. That's right. 
And this video in particular is much more pro shot in my mind, uh, or well, to my mind's eye, yes. than those first three videos. It's interesting that you would say that because the person who directed it, Brian Greenberg, uh-huh. is primarily a cinematographer. Okay, He's, makes sense. He's, uh, at least on internet movie database, the only directing credits he has are for this video. By and large, his credits are for cinematography. So film and framing things and shooting things, that was was his... It shows in a major way. And and the equipment used to film this video was obviously more higher end also than what was used to record 1999 automatic Let's Pretend We're Married. Right. The lighting was far better too. This did not have a feeling like it was in a warehouse with, you know, some basic lighting that was brought in. Everything was really well lit. Prince is much more active and dances a lot more. Right. Um, we see the splits in this video, which we didn't see in any others. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a fun story about that. We'll get to it in just a minute. Okay. Even though this was his first and maybe only directorial credit, Greenberg wasn't unfamiliar with music videos. He was helping to run a show called Pop Clips on Nickelodeon, which was started by Michael Nesmith of the Monkees. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But he was running the show, so he knew what worked and what looked good. It wasn't that he didn't have enough experience to be a director, because he absolutely did, but he brought kind of something interesting to it. Which I thought was nice. Yeah, and noticeable. I mean, very noticeable difference between this and the other three videos. Right. And there was originally supposed to be a portion of this video with Prince in a red Corvette driving around a lake in Florida. And Greenberg realized that this wasn't really going to be something that Prince was going to be very comfortable with. He was worried about how... Prince was going to look in it, that he wasn't going to be happy with the way he looked in it. Okay. And the stage performance was so good, and he was really happy with it. He said, I, I know we've got it. I know we don't need to do this. Don't you think we've got it? And Prince agreed because uh-huh. he didn't really want to do the whole literal red Corvette thing. Very good. Yeah. So they were supposed to have another day of filming when they did this stuff outside. Uh-huh. They went to Epcot Center instead. The whole crew oh. went to Epcot Center because they had one more day of filming, but they didn't need to film anything else. So Excellent. they just all went to Epcot Center, which had just opened. Uh-huh. Very cool. Yes. Prince's coat was a little yeah. different. Yep. It's much shinier in it this was. one. It was like Very he was like, Somebody. if you've seen Better Call Saul, it was like something Saul's brother would wear oh. to protect himself from electricity. <laughs> Yes, yes. He looked like, almost like somebody had put him through like a rock polisher from the Mm -hmm. 1999 video and shined him up nice and pretty. Yeah. Gave him a good... Maybe the coat got dry cleaned between (laughs) November and January. I think it was maybe a different coat. So you mentioned the splits. Yep. His little dance part. Yes. So Prince told Greenberg, just follow me. Right. I'll do my thing, just follow me. You know, this guy didn't want to argue with Prince. He sure. said, well, let's let's give it a try and see how it goes. Well, you know, Prince kind of grapevines down the stage and then does the splits on a little, like, breakdancing move, which was kind of groundbreaking because that was right at the beginning of when breakdancing was becoming a thing. Greenberg had the camera on Prince's face. Yes. 
because Prince is the star. And when Prince did the splits the first time, he fell out of the camera shot. (laughs) So they had to go and tell him, okay, so now we know what you're going to do. We have to film it again because here's what happened. And this is why in the future, if you're going to do something, please tell us what it is so that we can make sure we have the shot set up correctly. Yes. Yeah. This is still very much a learning phase for Prince <laughs> when it comes to video and yes. how to plan it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he hadn't spent much time behind a camera at this point, which he does later in his career. But he was very used to being in front of it. Yes. Yes. And his lip syncing improved quite a bit by this video. So right. I was very impressed. Oh, good. I good. was like, a good job. It's only been a couple of months. but <laughs> You've been working on that. <laughs> you you watched those early videos and you said mm, I need to be better at that I could do I could do better I could do better that's all I have to say about the videos all right me too I okay. mean even this even though little red Corvette is easily easily the highest quality most well shot well lit video they all four share overall feel of being stage performances and you know like you said or we said earlier they're not conceptual videos trying to enhance or convey more of the story of the song themselves right so we'll move on to uh we've got a series of b-sides that were released with um different singles from 1999 we'll start with the b-side to let's pretend we're married which is the aptly named irresistible bitch Mm -hmm. i think probably the First Prince song that has a quote-unquote bad word in the title. Yes. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So it was originally only available on what was labeled as a specially priced 12-inch vinyl single. I didn't know that. I have a copy of. And it remained only available on vinyl until the hits and the B-sides came out in 1993. And then the song was available for the first time in CD format. Mm, So there were, it was interesting, in 93 there were many reasons for fans of Prince who'd been with him for so long to buy a hits package because there were four previously unreleased songs on uh, the hits one and the hits two. And then many of the B-sides themselves had never been available before on CD or in that quality. So there was a, this was one of those reasons to rush out and, and grab that, even if you had the original single. Yeah, At very cool. for me. So this song was originally part of a sequence of two songs that were recorded in 1981. It was a mashup of the song Feel You Up that kind of molded into Irresistible Bitch. Okay. It was a much different song with Prince kind of scream singing throughout the entire thing which is super cool it is i will post a link to that but we'll cover it more in depth at a later time you said it was more controversy era yeah it was recorded in 1981 so i consider it more of a controversy era outtake than a 1999 era outtake Um, but this was a re-recording of it so right and of course it was released with the single from 1999 being let's pretend we're married so that's why we're covering this version but it was re-recorded with live drums which I think is very different from the sound of uh, a lot of the rest of the album, 1999. And most notably has a very, very similar, if not identical, drum beat and bass line to the Times B-side called Tricky and, and an outtake that became available on Crystal Ball called Chlorine Bacon Skin. This song is cold. This song is cold. Bacon Skin. Same bass line, same drums. 
I made that connection. It's been a long time since I listened to Chlorine Bacon Skin, so Mm -hmm. I'll have to go back and check that out. Yeah. So that's cool. You could tell that he recorded this version of it at Sunset Sound because there's lots of... Sound effects. Sound effects. (laughs) The doorbell is pretty prominent. Kind of interesting and... Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Prince plays all the instruments, and although Wendy and Lisa are both on background vocals... Um, and it has not only the sound effects that you mentioned earlier, but also this kind of swirling, altered vocals in the background, especially at the beginning of the song, which I really hadn't heard in a Prince song before this one. Yeah. <laughs> he continues with the pattern of women he can't resist who treat him poorly. He does. Uh, <laughs> this is so he's... She's stealing all my honey. Right. Stealing all my honey. He's kind of berating a woman that he finds attractive, but who he feels has taken advantage of him. And so to describe how he has the right to be upset, you know, he describes this woman as having other men over when he calls. I call your butt on the phone. A deeper voice answers and says you're not at home. She borrows his car. Hell if I know I let you drive my car. She's loose when he's faithful. Why am I so faithful, honey? Why are you so loose? She steals his honey and his money till he's broke. Stealing all my honey, baby, keep you by my side. Leave me till I'm broke. The list goes on. There are grievances, and Prince will air them. Yes, but he gets more out of it. Yes. Then she takes. That's right. He makes it a point to eventually, eventually say that. Yeah, because all his friends don't know the things she does to him when no one's around. Uh huh. But they don't know the things you do to me when we're alone. During the Purple Rain tour, the song was turned into this magnificent James Brown-style funk workout where Wendy would start playing a little guitar part and Prince would yell out, if y'all want to jump out in the aisle and dance, it's cool. And he would start (laughs) singing the song. But yeah, like you said, this version was recorded at Sunset Sound and it was recorded just a few days before Prince recorded the song, The Beautiful Ones, that would end up in Purple Rain. So that was interesting too. And it sounds nothing like The Beautiful Ones. A lot of times you have these songs recorded in a session or in a series of days that carry similar themes or similar sounds and those are two very very different songs so i thought this was a very good b-side song yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it was good it was different than the song that it was the b-side to yeah which is kind of nice yeah yeah but somehow i guess they're linked together in my head because i always heard them together because they were released together yes yeah, yeah they were an odd pairing yeah In a good way. Yeah, in a very good way. Then we have Horny Toad, which was the B-side to Delirious. Right. Speaking of songs that sound like they go together, Horny Toad and Delirious are very similar sounding. Cut cut from the same cloth. They're both rockabilly. Yes. They have very similar sounds. Yeah, Prince is on all instruments and vocals on both songs. I had in my notes that I thought it was a very fitting B-side to a song like Delirious, but I'd also say it's obvious B-side material. Fair. This was not an album material kind of song, but made a great B-side. Prince started using B-sides as outlets for songs that were sort of orphans, um, and this is one of those. When I re-listened to this a number of times, it made me wonder if Prince heard the term or the name of the animal, Horny Toad, and took it as a personal challenge to (laughs) write a song with that as the title. (laughs) Maybe, yes. 
Yeah, so he describes himself as uh, persistently, annoyingly in pursuit of his love interest. Yeah, well, no, she's not a love interest. He is not in love with her, and he makes no bones about it. He is interested in her carnally, period. You're right. But we'll call and he's very upfront. I'm going to call you and breathe heavily. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to (laughs) moan. But he doesn't have her number or know where she lives. No, but if he did, he'd come to her door and knock on it until she opened it. And if he didn't, he'd knock even more. Yeah. He's got plans. <laughs> he's got plans for everything except actually carrying out uh, what he's describing. Yeah, exactly. This is one of the first times on records that we hear Prince call out, now watch me dance mm. in a, on a studio track. And there's a little synthesizer part that, you know, you can picture him doing that little red Corvette shimmy across the stage mm-hmm. during Hor- Horny Toad. Watch me dance. Yeah. You know, years earlier in the song, I Want to Be Your Lover, Prince would claim in his lyrics, I ain't got no money, I ain't like those other guys you hang around, and where in this song, Horny Toad, he claims he doesn't want the object of his affection's money because he's got all he needs. So I thought, wow, a lot has changed since 1979 on this B-side. Three short years later. Yeah, used to be what made him different was he had no money. Now what makes him different is he's part amphibian. (laughs) Yep. So it's a short little track, but fun and harmless, I would say. Mm -hmm. Also, even though he's in persistent pursuit of this person. At least he's honest about it. It's an endearing and somewhat charmingly funny throwaway song. Sure. How's that for a description? Yep. Then we have... The B-side to 1999, mm-hmm. How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore. Right, which is very much a different kind of song to 1999. 1999 is obviously this party song and apocalyptic fun. And How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore is Prince Solo on a Piano. It sounds like it could have been part of the Piano and a Microphone release from 1983. Yes, has it has the same, same kind of mournful. Very bluesy and bluesy soulful. Bluesy and mm-hmm. him and a piano. And he's kind of doing that, like we heard on Piano on a Microphone, the percussion yeah, that he's doing the, somehow on either the... Either with the pedals of the piano yeah, or, or something. Something, mm-hmm. something on the piano is providing... The percussion sounds exactly. Exactly, but it has this very live one take kind of feel to it. Um, It was recorded by Prince himself at Sunset Sound on April 26, 1982. It was great that we have a, a date for that. It was just the day after he recorded Free and two days before he recorded. Something in the Water Does Not Compute, so it was very deep in the recording sessions for 1999. Not known if it was really intended for the album, but it's definitely, you know, in the in the 1999 sessions era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It ended up on the Girl 6 soundtrack. Right, there was the a live film. version on One Night Alone. Yes. It's been covered several times. Yep. Probably the most prominent of mm-hmm. those was in 2001 by Alicia Keys right. on her debut album, Songs in A Minor. Right. 
Yeah, she described how she didn't know of the song and kind of discovered it and then listened to it nonstop I think it was for given to her. Somebody oh, said you should do this song and she just fell in love with it. Yeah, listened to it for two weeks straight and then yeah. did her own her own version, which is neat and she would be part of Prince history. She was the part of his induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm-hmm. and her speech was used at the very beginning of the musicology tour to introduce Prince. So she and Prince have a kind of an intertwined history. Yes. Starting with the song, you might starting say. Starting with the song. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of production. It mostly sounds acoustic, but then right. we get a little bit of a echo or mm-hmm. a layering of his own voice over top on a couple of lines. I still like it better when you're holding me tight. And down on my knees, begging you, please. Yep. Down on my knees, begging you, please. So, yeah. you know, I was interesting, a little out of place, but not completely out of place, but interesting. So I wasn't sure how to feel about that. I just thought of it as, you know, he's experimenting with different sounds yeah. and different techniques and um, then trying to find a place for these songs later on. And this sort of ended up orphaned. Um, there's also spoken parts that are underneath his falsetto lyrics, too, where when he sings, everybody said, everybody said that we should never part. And then he mumbles, you know, I guess they thought we were kind of cute together. I guess they thought we were kind of cute together. No. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he does that throughout the song, too. I thought it was a really nice delivery, nice performance. Yeah, it was really intimate. Very much so. With him and a piano and this kind of mournful sound. It was very, very reminiscent of piano and a microphone. Right. Which you could have played it for me, and I, after listening to that, I would have been, oh, yeah, well, this sounds like it was... Recorded at the same time. Yeah, I think Prince recorded a lot of stuff like this because he was able to do it by himself in the privacy of his home without many people around and just explore different concepts. And so it, it kind of lended itself to that type of song. Yeah. And then our last official release during this period that we're going to talk about is the dance mix, quote-unquote dance mix, of Little Red Corvette. Mm -hmm. Um, It was released with the Little Red Corvette single at the end of 1982. And uh, the album version of the song isn't exactly short at five minutes and three seconds. Right. Um, The dance mix single is eight minutes and 27 27 seconds so Mm -hmm. get an extra three and a half minutes of little red corvette yeah and it's it's a mix but then we also get some additional music added yes there's some bass guitar and kind of feel like something's about to happen. Yes, it kind of builds up onto itself. Mm-hmm. I was reading about it on Wikipedia, actually. Okay. And it claims there, not that everything you read on Wikipedia is exactly true in gospel, but um, it claims that it's basically a larger version that continues off where the album version fades out, okay. which is not true. Okay. At the two minute, 10 second mark, when Prince sings, you've got to find a love that's gonna last, uh-huh. And then it cuts to kind of a 
quieter musical interlude yeah. kind of part is new or may have been edited out of the album version. Okay. So I thought that was kind of inter- interesting, and you get the kind of chant breakdown with it sounds like Prince's voice and Dez's voice singing "Little Red Corvette," which I think is it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's a new part of the song to hear. And then at the three minute and twenty eight second mark, we get launched back into the album version and Dez Dickerson's guitar solo. Mm-hmm. So there's a good minute and. 18 seconds of new stuff right there towards the In beginning the of the song. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. We get a few extra lyrics. Yes. Here are some things you do to me that leave me in a velvet sweat. Yes. There are some things you do to me that leave me in a velvet sweat. Darling, there are some things I want to do to you so you'll never forget. <laughs> He's very intense about making sure she doesn't forget these things. Right. And it's in a princely kind of weird accent. You know, it's certainly not how Prince normally speaks. Right. He kind of enunciates it in a way that is unique and special. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, he does. All right. So did some of this sound a little bit like chocolate to you? Oh. Some of the additional music mm, sounded a little like chocolate to me. There's the bass part of Little Red Corvette that's brought more to the forefront that mm-hmm. I can see where it does that. There's the dung, 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 dung. Yeah. Dung, yeah. Dung, dung. That's brought up more to the forefront of this mix than on the album version. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of see... Where you're, where you're hearing that? They kind of, yes. they kind of, they have a, a similar feel to me. Yep, you're right, you're yeah. right. After Prince yells that "so you'll never forget" line, um, we have one of the first examples that I can think of of Prince doing a beatbox mouth noise kind of thing on record instead of an instrument, which uh-huh. is also really interesting to listen to. So it's at the very end of of the dance mix version of the song, yeah, where you can hear that too. Mayday! Gotta love a little extra, little red Corvette. I love stuff like this, especially when it sounds like this probably is not a dance mix, but more of the full version or everything that was recorded for the song that might have been mixed differently because, like you were saying, there's different guitar parts and the bass part of Little Red Corvette, which you don't really think about when you think about Little Red Corvette, the bass guitar, but it is made more prominent and to the fore, as Mm -hmm. music people like to say. (laughs) Um, But it gives you a lot of insight into the original concept for the song and what a masterful job they did to edit it down to what seems like a very concise and tight album version of the song, even though it's five minutes long. Right. So I don't know. I'm all in on Little Red Corvette Dance Mix. It was originally also only on vinyl. Mm -hmm. Um, It first became available on CD, I believe, with the release of Prince Ultimate in 2006, which was another reason. There were all these hits packages for Prince with the hits and the B-sides, which gave 
collectors and fans reasons to go out and buy the collection. And right. Ultimate is one of those that included a lot of extended versions that had not been previously available on CD. And Super this is cool. one of them. And it sounds great. It sounds better mixed to me than the album version. Fair. Uh, which they probably did a little bit of with the release of Ultimate just to... Yeah. Not to make it louder because there's loudness wars going on, but it just sounds seems more like a... Full, a fuller sounding recording than right. the somewhat well. tenny sound of 1999, which gave it its charm. So I don't have a problem with either. I just can hear the difference between the two. Right. Then we're going to move on to Moonbeam Levels. So I said that Little Red Corvette was going to be our last release song during this era, and it was. Moonbeam Levels got its official, official release on yet another godforsaken hits collection um, <laughs> that included this song uh, yeah. you know again as a bonus piece of material to get people like me to go out and spend $14 to buy the album which uh, right I would which ha- was I would forever ha- by yes, the way right the number released four released November 22nd of 2016 thank you I would have paid $14, $15 just for this track alone regardless yeah. so so this was a solo recording originally done July 6, 1982 the day before he recorded Lady Cab Driver which I thought was interesting because again mm-hmm. those two songs very, very not different although Moon- like- yeah although Moonbeam Levels has uh, elements in it that make it obviously part of the 1999 era recordings with the way the drum sound and the kind of mm-hmm. you know you get these exhaust sounds and yeah. things like that he mentions world war three right which kind of makes sense in this apocalyptic universe that uh-huh. is 1999. Right. This was bootlegged for years and under the title of A Better Place to Die. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I knew it when I was 15 and first heard the song on a cassette that a friend of mine gave to me, A Better Place to Die. And I think a lot of that comes from, unless you know the lyrics, it is sometimes very hard to make out what he's saying. And he's singing mm-hmm. about very abstract Things like moonbeam levels that yeah, it what would are be moon hard to levels. Are I don't you, know are you asking are. me? Yeah. Well, um, do you have a opinion? Well, it's like somewhat on a partly cloudy day when the sun is out, you see rays of sunshine coming oh, through the clouds. You, oh, okay. So turn that to nighttime, and the beams of moonlight coming through the clouds are called moonbeam levels. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was kind of you know good juju. Good, happy well, thoughts. Well, like, yeah, I think it can be It's well, it understood as that. Many yes. levels, yes. yes. I just want to know what your opinion was. That's my opinion of it. I think that it's amazing that this song was not known to be considered on any configuration of 1999 or any album until the 1989 configuration of Rave into the Joy Fantastic when that project was shelved for the Batman soundtrack. So this song sat around... Forever, it was teased to be included on Crystal Ball Two. Mm. Uh, there were kiosks at Paisley Ooh. Park asking guests at a celebration in two thousand one. Yeah, you know, what to, would you like to see on? Yes, how about a pristine copy of Moonbeam Levels 
either on Crystal Ball 2 or as a membership for the MPG Music Club. And of course, everyone clamored for it and it just Never was happened. left sitting on a shelf. Yep. Yeah. Like I said before, I think it's one of Prince's first very abstract and most poetic songs. Mm-hmm. You know, he's asking for someone or for God to send him moonbeam levels or the kind of beauty that can make him see the goodness in the world is mm-hmm. how I interpret it. Well, I kind of wondered too if maybe it wasn't coordinates. He's missing a lover who's died. Mm-hmm. Maybe moonbeam levels are coordinates that would allow him to die in a place that would allow him to reunite with her in the oh. hereafter. Oh, that's Whether that was a physical place or yeah, somewhere in the ether, or or even a place in his life, like the moonbeam levels show me how to live a life well enough mm-hmm. that I can get to her in the afterlife. Yeah, or I can find her spirit. Yeah, here. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, I thought it was very cool that he starts off the song in first person about you know he tried to write an I tried to write a novel I didn't know where to begin so I laid down in the grass trying to feel the world turn. Yeah, I love that he was getting in touch with nature, like literally mm-hmm. talking about getting in touch with nature when he needed a inspiration. He's going to lay down on the ground to get as much contact with the earth as possible yeah. to have... Yeah, like literally grounding himself. Right. But then he turns into third person for the chorus. Mm-hmm. He says, please, please send all your moonbeam levels to me. And then the second verse that's full of maybes. Maybe he's looking for a different world. Maybe he's looking for a brand new high. Maybe he's looking for a different world. Maybe he's looking for a brand new high. Maybe. It's like he's singing about someone else. But right. But I think he's clearly singing about himself. Oh, well, I kind of almost thought it was like he needed inspiration for this novel he was going to write. Right. He laid down on the ground and started thinking about what's important in life. And But he was looking up at the sky and thinking about space. So maybe that's what came. The man missing a lover looking for moonbeam levels, trying to figure out how to live his life, was the inspiration he got from laying down on the ground trying to feel the earth turn. Okay. I saw it as his like almost out-of-body experience where uh-huh. he's looking down upon himself. And the he is still Prince, but he's singing it from a third person about his own, what's going on in, on, in his own mind. Okay. Um, I love the verse in the song where he sings. Uh, he said he'll never keep diaries to learn from his mistakes. Instead, he'll just repeat all the good things that he's done. I wrote that one down too. I love which, it too. Which is, I mean, very admirable. That's a great way, you know, if you aren't interested in your past, but you're worried about making different mistakes to just keep repeating the things you know that work and that do good in the world is, I don't see that as lazy or no. uninspired. Oh no. It's uh, like fear of doing wrong. And so you harness the good that you've done and keep 
keep repeating. Well, and don't dwell on the mistakes that you've made. Right. Rather than learning from those, repeat the things you've done well. Because if you're dwelling on your mistakes, that's a sad thing. That's a difficult way to look at it. it. It's just kind of refreshing to have a different idea of instead of I'm going to learn from my mistakes, which is something that's important to do. Sure. But instead of dwelling on your faults, mm-hmm. yeah, you kind of you say put a, put a, this worked. I'm going to do this. Yeah, just put a magnifying glass on yeah. on the successes that which I had. yeah I loved that part too. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely sad to hear lyrics like fight for perfect love until it's perfect love he makes and when he's happy then his battle will be won. But then Prince kind of sings in the background it's never too late. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like this message he's left behind, even though this was recorded, obviously, long, long, long before his passing. There's a message here that sounds like something that was written closer to the end of his life mm-hmm. to me, which makes this a really powerful song and a great one. Yes, agreed. Crazy that this had unreleased. So, I mean, of all the decisions made for releases since Prince's passing, including this song on a hits collection, Mm -hmm. I would say is the best decision that has been made. Agreed. I don't know what legal agreements led to its inclusion or what exactly. Maybe this was agreed upon before his passing because supposedly the Forever Collection was part of an agreement Prince made with Warner Brothers to get control of his master's back, part of the artificial age and plectrum electrum agreement to release those two albums. And then this greatest hits package together was something that was sort of in the works. Um, So it'd be interesting to know, you know, is this something that he approved and, and signed off on? Or was it something that was just part of the remnants of an agreement that, you know, legal reasons they could include it? I right. Don't know. Mm-hmm. Either way, I think it's, yeah, probably the best unreleased song that has been officially released for sure since Prince's yeah. passing. Agreed. Okay, so now we're on to alternate, uh, versions. alternate versions and outtakes, things that um, they're circulating among friends, among fans, we could say, and they have been for a long time. I thought it was important if we're going to talk about 1999, I don't think we can do that without including a handful of these songs and maybe a few others that we can't get to, but there's a long time circulating version of something in the water does not compute. That's mm-hmm. sort of an alternate take on the song. Yeah. It's a little warmer than yes. the album version. Yeah. Less so mechanical. Yeah. Cold. Yes. Mm-hmm. It sounds more live. Yes, a little more the organic album version. Yes. There's a it live. almost sounds like how you would hear it if you'd, heard it in concert yeah it sounds a lot more like that than what actually ended up on the album i think you're exactly right you stole all of my thunder (laughs) sorry (laughs) it's also a little bit darker i mean it's warmer in a way but it's maybe um, maybe darker is not the right word maybe it's just a little more sad and Mm, mournful yeah than mechanical um, more yearning than the album version i think the more of a live piano and less frantic drums give it that feeling Mm -hmm. there's a live clapping at the beginning of the song, too, that I yes. think is really, really cool. Uh, but essentially the same lyrics as the album version, right. maybe in a little bit different order. And 
The biggest difference to me is the song doesn't end like the album version where it all kind of breaks down and falls apart and Prince says, I do love you, I do, or else I wouldn't go through all the things I do. And it kind of synthesizers off into oblivion. Right. This take just has a fade out at the end uh, after kind of an improv drum, keyboard, synthesizer mashup that goes Mm on. So I think a great part of 1999 history yeah. is hearing, you know, these alternate takes on on some of these songs. If you, if you can, you're ready to move on. I am. All right. The other alternate version that I wanted us to take a listen to is one uh, that's of Delirious. Yes. The album version is uh, four minutes and one second. This alternate version, I guess you could call it, is about two minutes longer. Um, we call it an alternate version, but I really think that this was the version that was recorded that was then edited down for yes, the album. Yes, I was going to ask if that's, that's was my take the case. On it. That I, I totally think so too. It, it. That's how it sounds to me because it sounds very like the album version, whereas yeah. something in the water is oh, it's definitely totally different. It's, a, it's definitely a different take. This sounds very much like what's on the album, just. Yes. A little less refined, maybe? Um, Just, there was, you know, they cut out some lyrics. Yes, they did. You know. This I want to refer to as the Delirious Dance Mix, because Mm. it sounds like the entire album version is in this version. It's just spread out across another two minutes. Yeah. You know, the first extended part of this song is at the two minute and 20 second mark when Prince improvises the first verse again. He says, you know, I get delirious whenever you're, whenever you're near. And then he asks, you want to dance? Mm-hmm. Which I think is kind of fun. Yeah. Want to dance? I did miss the baby voice at the end. Exactly. Well, you can hear where that should happen, like uh-huh. around the four minute and 15 mark, the drums kind of build up and you expect it to cut out and hear the little baby voice, but uh, you don't. This version, yeah. you know, continues on. And again, we get the first verse repeats as like a background vocal chant, lose all self-control, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And there's a little bit more guitar and bass guitar noodling that happens at the end. So I think that to edit it down, to get it to fit on a double album like they did, again, I give credit to the editor. It's a masterful edit of picking out the parts of the song that are great. Yeah. I do wonder why they would have a longer version, an unedited version of a song like Little Red Corvette that was a successful single and release it and then have a single for a song like Delirious, have a longer version of it and not make that available. Hmm. In the same kind of vein, because it could have easily had a delirious long version single with Horny Toad as the B-side. Right. um, And it wasn't done, Hmm. so I don't know why. I don't know either. The lyrics they cut out, though, were not family friendly, so that maybe played into it a little bit. Maybe. I mean, there were no lyrics on Let's Pretend We're Married, the full version of that (laughs) single that were family friendly. So No, but I don't know. Don't know either, but I'm glad that this song's available. It's circulating and really great quality. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like a release track. Um, so it's worth seeking out. Then we have Chocolate. As I mentioned earlier, this song maybe has a little bit of the same kind of flavor as the longer version of Little Red Corvette, the dance 
mix. Right. I had not thought of it that way before, but I totally see how you can hear that. Chocolate was recorded on April 17th, 1983. So the 1999 album was out and uh, the tour had happened uh, when this song was recorded. But to me, it kind of falls into that period Mm -hmm. of time. Kind of... More, a Morris Dade out or Jamie Star mm-hmm. kind of song. It sounds like something that Prince recorded for the time. Well, uh, and it, my understanding was that it was originally planned as something for the time. Uh-huh. Prince does his Morris Day voice. Right. His raspy, funny, silly voice. And it did eventually end up on an album by the time, their final album that they released in July of 1990. Pandemonium, Right. Where they picked up essentially the music that had already been recorded for this, for for Prince's version of Chocolate. And Morris Day overdubs his own lyrics. And he even calls out, Jesse, play the guitar. I'm going to tap on this cowbell. And it's the same part that Wendy played in the Prince's version of Chocolate. May I play your guitar? I will tap on the cowbell. Yeah. Uh, The Jesse Johnson didn't have anything to do with it all. (laughs) So that's kind of funny. Yep. You know, we're going to get to the song Extra Lovable here in a minute, which you can say crosses the creeper-predator line, whereas Chocolate is more endearing, like the silliness of it all, even though, you know, it's all about don't you want to touch my privates, Uh essentially, is what Chocolate's about. The fact that it's wrapped (laughs) up in lines like a Milky Way... Tootsie Roll. Three Musketeer, baby. Come unwrap me. And it's sung in such a silly way that it makes it, to me, a whole lot f- more fun. Right. And sort of endearing. Like, oh, this is actually pretty cute. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like it's meant to be tongue-in-cheek completely. and funny. And uh, what's the matter? Don't you like me? <laughs> what's the matter? Don't you like me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? It's just, it's more playful uh-huh, yes. than sinister. Right. Yeah. Much less predatory. I love the call outs when Prince calls for horns. Uh-huh. Give me some horns. Give me some horns. Give me some horns. Give me some horns. Of course, they're not real horns. They're clearly synth- <laughs> synthesizers. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of Prince's yes. sound was replacing live horns with synthesizers or, you know, just finding a way to emulate the sound of horns in a way that he could play himself. Right. So he didn't have to could. rely on anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And he lists the food. <laughs> as which the waiter at the, the end? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Mashed potatoes, gravy, cranberry sauce, stuffing, green beans, chilling, skinny, sweet potatoes, black, black eyed peas, grits, cabbage. This is the part I thought was improved upon on the Times version where Morris Day comes in and he asks, you know, they're sitting down for dinner and he says, I think I'll have the hot turkey dinner. What comes with that? Uh And then we get Prince's whole litany of things (laughs) that just funny, funky foods. Mm -hmm. It's very funny. Yeah, it was very, very funny. It's very funny. I always like it when he does his Jamie Star slash 
yeah, more stay really impression. Getting, really getting into a character, um, which is different than you would hear on any Prince album. So he had all these different ideas swirling around in his head that he reserved for other outlets like The Time. Yeah. I think it's important to say that his version and The Time's version includes background vocals by Wendy, Lisa, and Jill Jones. Okay. Um, and like we said earlier, Wendy is the one who plays the guitar part on this, although Prince refers to her as Melvin, mm-hmm. you know, her last name. Yeah. Like, Melvin, step on the gas. we got to get the hell out of here. This is a nice little gem. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. All right, then we have Extra Lovable. I read that it was originally considered for Vanity Six. Right, although there's no known version of it that has Vanity's vocals on it. Right. It's certainly recorded, and the lyrics are from a man's point of view. I don't know how. I mean, I guess it could be altered, you know, yeah, to, to be sung from a woman. gender-bending right. sort of time, too. Yeah. You know, everybody wore makeup, everybody wore heels, everybody sure. wore shiny clothing and had big hair. Everyone was extra lovable. (laughs) Everybody was very lovable. So this is another song that was was recorded in 1982 on April 3rd, and it sat around for a quarter of a century before it was finally um, re-recorded in late 2011 and was released as a single to promote the Welcome to Canada tour. Um, And then there was another version of it in 2013, I'm sorry, the, the version in 2011 inc- included a rap by Andy Allo. Yeah. And that rap was removed in a version that was released in June of 2013 on com, which is the version that ended up on his final album, Hit and Run Phase 2. The re-recorded version of Extra Lovable right. uh, is there. And he also performed it at uh, Montreux in his very last uh, appearance in at the Montreux Jazz Festival in 2013 mm-hmm. also. I guess we can start with the positives about this song. <laughs> yes, let's. It the, has a very timeless sound. I thought the uh-huh. delivery of the lyrics was just as at home in 1982 as it is listening to it here in 2019. Okay. That it it really sounds timeless. It totally fits with 1982. Right. But it definitely sounds like a contemporary song as well. Maybe with that, with the exception of like the, the use of the term hippies, well, you know, make a many happy, mighty proud. He, even he then, re, he like rewords some of that in the, in right. the newer version to a mini brother, mighty proud. But the there. delivery of it, sure, sounded pretty contemporary. Yeah, I was very, very impressed. Yeah, it's got a very cool yeah. beat. It, the drum part, I think, is really great, um, and the rhythm gu- guitar and the synthesizers are great. For sure, this was like one of my favorite outtakes as mm. a young dude growing up and coming across these things. Of course, mm-hmm. I wasn't as sensitive to some of the lyrics towards the end as I am today. Well, and I was so sad when it took a turn because that there's really funny parts to this. She's so fine. He'll take a bath with her anywhere, anyway, anytime. Sure. She's so fine, she can turn his straight mama on. That's right. Baby, you can turn my mama on. She's just as straight, just as straight as straight can be. He's so 
so fun. His dead father is going to come back from the grave to haunt her, to come back and haunt you mystically. Right. I was like, this is funny. I'm it like, is. even though my dad is gone, come back just to haunt you. There, it is funny. You know. It's odd, though. I mean, both of Prince's parents were alive at this time. Yeah. He was separated. It was a character. It was a character. Yeah. Sure. Did you get the Let's Make a Deal reference? Yeah, door number pants. Door number pants. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I know my rap is hard, but not as hard as what's behind door. Door number pants. Like, what a juvenile punk. But it's so but it's funny. very funny. It is it's very so funny. funny to just kind of let go into that and purple politicians sing it. Purple yep. He's being a band leader. He he's is calling everybody out. Yeah, he's Brown Mark. Fucking Doctor Fink. Fucking Lisa. I'll get call out. Uh huh. One time, two times. Yes, the ooh ooh. Mm-hmm. There's a little sing along, and it's one of the first of their first of its kind in a Prince song. Two times. Which is cool. And he calls out Dez. Hey yeah. Dez, don't you like my band? Yes. <laughs> So this was like a maybe clue. a little hard feelings. Well, sure. Like, anyone but, who left Prince's universe, I mean, he rarely says, "You know, I wish you all the best." Was, <laughs> Thanks for all your contributions. Yeah, yeah. I think this was a clue also to when the song was recorded or when it was worked on. So obviously, after um, Des left the band and right. Wendy joined. At least the lyrics to the song were worked on even more, which mm-hmm. is, is interesting. I also thought it was fun that, you know, in How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, he says, why can't you call me? It's just one lousy dime. Uh-huh. Whereas in this song, he says, if ever you ever need someone to take a shower with, call me up, baby. It's free. Oh. So. Was the shower free or the call free? I don't know. Or maybe it's more about calling from home as opposed to using a payphone. Oh, Okay. I don't know. I just oh, thought okay. it was funny that we have two different references for what it takes and what it costs to call Prince up uh-huh. to either tell him you love him or request a cleansing. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, and then I was so unfortunately, <laughs> as I told you, this song makes Let's Pretend We're Married sound like uh, the theme song to the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. No. Um, yeah, it does devolve in the later half, and it comes on... And you're like, wait, did he really say that? And he even says, I don't think they heard me. Uh Uh-huh. Where he says, I'm on the verge of rape. I don't think you heard me. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, don't make me drag you. I can be very cruel. I could have done without all that. Yeah, there was an automatic style sound effects with, mm -hmm. you know, torture and that kind of thing, which obviously was in his head at the time. So... Yeah, um, don't make me rape you. I can be very cruel. Are you going to get down or not? This type of thing um, I think is regrettable for sure. And I think in his defense, he had the sense to keep this unreleased. So it's almost unfair to judge it in the sense that there was a decision that this 
wasn't going to see the light of day for a very, very long time. Yet it did leak or who knows how it got into the hands of bootleggers and people who shared it with one another. So certainly we can be critical of how unwoke Prince was at this time because this is not the type of thing that he would do even in the last two decades of his life, three decades of his life to speak of treating someone that way would not be in his repertoire, I guess you could say. So credit to to him and uh, his team for deciding that this was meant to stay in the vault until he completely reworked it. Yeah, well, and I'm sure he probably meant it in a, he meant it to be sexy. Yes. Yeah, he did. And maybe, you know, in the early 80s, it could have been taken that way. It's problematic in hindsight. It's myopic. It's looking at it from only a man's point of view that right. I think you're going to enjoy the fact that I like you so much that I can, but, uh-huh. I'm just going to force myself, myself on you. That yeah. that means you're pretty. Yeah. Which is obviously not... Not uh, okay, not but okay. I agree. So, yeah, I think our stamp on this is not okay... Okay, that it never got released. Uh huh. And but still not okay. <laughs> Did we mention obvi- and, we don't like this? <laughs> well, and in his defense, that part was not in it when he recorded it later. It's got a, it's got a long and sort of confusing yeah. release history. Prince Vault covers it all yes. very well. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that part wasn't included. He saw the error. So I give him credit for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But definitely, again, part of the 1999 recording sessions, especially since it was known to be considered for Vanity Six's album, which also was released around 1999, and that was part of the Triple Threat tour when it was Vanity Six, the Time, and Prince touring together. Right. So definitely worth a visit. Yes. Then we have Purple Music. Diffuser called this one of the longest, weirdest, and most coveted unreleased Prince songs. <laughs> I was like, fair. It's yeah. very widely circulated. You can find it on the internet. Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's coveted. I mean, it's easy to find these things now if well, you're looking for them. When or it to was, hear them. when it was, I think that's what they meant. Oh, was I see. that it when it was a big deal and bootleg culture trying to get this stuff. Yeah. It was very, very coveted and ended up on quite a number of compilations because everybody wanted to hear this. Right. Well, so. you know, you know, you associate Prince with purple. They're almost one and the same. So you hear, Oh, there's a song called purple music that was recorded in 1982 and may or may not have been considered for 1999. Oh, I've got to hear this, you mm-hmm. know. But the truth of the matter is it is very it's pretty long. It's almost 11 minutes. The version that we listen to is called Purple Music Number no. 2. There are a bunch of different versions of it circulating. Many of them are so tinny and shrilly that they are painful to listen to, mm-hmm. not because of the song, but because of the um, quality of the recording. Um, I picked this one because it's the best version that I have and is listenable. Um, I always thought it sounded a lot like all the critics love you in New York. And then I was disappointed when I went to Prince vault and they listen, they listed as similar in tone to all the critics. (laughs) I was like, Oh, I guess I'm not the only genius in the room. (laughs) It wasn't an original thought. It was not an original. It was original for you. It was original until I went out and read what other people had to say. Until you realized that other people thought the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. But I would definitely agree with the description of it being it's pretty simple, monotonous at times, basically an anti-drug message with Prince claiming his music is what gets him high. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need 
this or that or this other drug that purple music does the same to my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that he started performing this again as part of his piano and microphone tour in 2016. Under the name Welcome to the Freedom Galaxy. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there were some indications that the song was being worked on again to some capacity. There are some very odd lyrics in here, too, that I thought you might have appreciated. That You know, we'll find a serpent to sacrifice. We'll make a wish and then we'll visit Purple Paradise. Yes. I love the religious reference connected to a purple self-referential mm-hmm. lyric. It was, I, I wrote that one down. I liked it quite yeah. a lot. Yep. His voice is altered in a slight way, or at least it's put through a sound effect of some kind, not to change the pitch of it, but to give it kind of an electronic sort of sound. Mm-hmm. To almost makes it sound to me like, oh, he is altered or changed by... Right. You know, his own music is what pleases him. Yeah. Which, cool. Yeah. And the, as on the religious bit, just being inside a church, don't make a righteous man. Right. Just like, oh, yeah. Just being inside a church, don't make a righteous man. Yeah. I, I can get on board with that. Yeah. So yeah, almost yeah. religiously woke, if not sexual harassment woke. Yeah. <laughs> as we've learned. Yeah. Yeah, there's a computer blue-like spoken part near the end that's almost like mm-hmm. what Prince would do without Wendy and Lisa around, where he talks to himself. He says, it's time for your morning bath, sir. Oh, what, I thought that what, bit was weird. It's time for your morning bath, sir. What would you like to bathe in this morning? Well, yeah, it's weird. Just like <laughs> the first part of computer blue is weird. Like, what change to make this personal assistant be, oh... Oh no. Uh-huh. I don't think I want to play anymore. What is Prince doing to make uh, this guy I, go away or what's happening in the bathroom? Yeah, who's afraid of the bathtub? Yeah. Oh well, no, man. Something took place and you can hear it in the little weird sound uh-huh. effects that kind of, you know, something went astray. But in the course of an 11-minute Prince song, you would, especially from the early 80s, you would expect something to go astray from time to time. Mm -hmm. So uh, shame on you if you didn't see that coming. Yeah. (laughs) It's 11 minutes. It goes a lot of places. It does. Yeah. It goes a lot of places, but also not very far. Yeah. I liked it, though. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. It's just... It is long. Um, <laughs> yeah. And there's not, you know, a break in it anywhere that's like a guitar solo or it doesn't go in different directions at any one point. So it's 11 mm-hmm. minutes of constant goodness if you like it. Uh-huh. Um, it's a good, like, background. Like, mm-hmm. if you're doing stuff. Yeah. Doing like stuff. I'm, like taking a bath? Like making breakfast. Okay. I was making French toast this morning listening to the song yeah. and... Well, listening to the song makes great French toast. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It does. So, um, all right. You, I'm sure you heard the part where he says, if you understand my color, put your hand on your crotch. Oh, and, yes. then does, and does his mouth click thing that uh-huh. he did forever. The, uh-huh. That kind of thing. Yeah. So it's almost like his color is, um, I don't know, taking on, you know, an actionable it's got its response. Own, yeah, it's got its own 
Persona almost. Yes, a purple persona. Purple persona. All right, so that's all of the stuff that we're going to talk about today. So we have rules. We're going to choose three things. This is what we do. We choose a time capsule, which is the thing that exemplifies the period at which the item that we're talking about is either recorded or released. Mm -hmm. Choice is yours. We choose a C, our least favorite thing, and we choose a mountain our favorite thing. Yep, we yes. do that. So we let's do, do that. It. So these are our rules, and they're my rules, That's as right. Josh so that likes means, to point out. That means so, you have to go first. So I have to go first. So my time capsule is two things, actually. What? The 1999 and Let's Pretend We're Married video, because they were so very similar. Yes, they were. Like we mentioned. Yes, they were. And that they were performance videos, not really adding anything to the story or the canon or the lore. Yeah. It was just absolutely, we need to get a video recorded to put on this new thing called MTV. Uh-huh. That's why it's so let's do it. Well, I agree with you so much so that my time capsule is the little red Corvette video. Oh, okay. Because it was the one that launched this thing into mainstream pop culture, really vaulted Prince into stardom. Right. It took, it seems like, what they learned during the recording sessions for 1999, Let's Pretend We're Married, and Automatic, and made it into a more professional package and almost led to the type of shooting that they did for their concert scenes in Purple Rain. So because it was a little bit better quality and a little more refined, Mm -hmm. I thought... Um, a little bit more well edited and more well lit. That ended up being my time capsule. Oh, that's great because that's the exact reason why I didn't choose that one as my time capsule oh, because a I too felt well done? it was a little too polished. Okay, I l- thought the time capsule of it looking like it had been recorded on a camcorder. Yeah, was what made it time capsule-y to okay. me. So. Very fair. Very, absolutely very fair. All right, then we have our C, the thing we like the least. Not that it's bad. It's just the thing that we could have maybe done without. And I okay. agreed with you about Extra Lovable uh-huh. and Purple Music. They were okay. unreleased for a reason. Right. So I didn't choose either one of those. And there were things about both of those things that I really liked a lot. Uh-huh. Mine was Horny Toad. Okay. And not because I disliked it, but only because I thought it sounded too much like Delirious. Uh-huh. I would have liked to see more of a dichotomy Okay. between Delirious and Horny Toad. Yeah, and that but may be fine. why what made Horny Toad a B-side, and I felt like these two tracks line up together. If you like Delirious and you buy the single and you flip the vinyl over, you're not going to dislike what you hear on the other side. Right. Whereas they almost had the opposite approach with 1999 having a B-side of how come you don't call me anymore, which right. couldn't be more opposite. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there, but I had a different C. All right. What is it? I too discounted the parts of Extra Lovable that of course we find inappropriate today. Yes. Um, since it was never released and never meant to be heard, I thought it was unfair to make it, Fair. you know, the C of... 1999 videos and b-sides and extended versions my c is the automatic video oh (laughs) with the stupid hand tie on the wrong side of the bed okay and i can't believe i didn't ever notice it before so c on me (laughs) all right and then we have our mountain. Right. This was a tough one. You said you changed of, yours this I morning. I did. I I made a, I called an audible 
right here at the last minute. It was going to be How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore because it sounded so much like the piano on a microphone. And just it was so intimate and sweet and mournful. And I really liked the way it was delivered. Mm -hmm. But I was listening to the music again this morning. And what I'm going to revisit most is Moonbeam Levels. Okay. Had you heard it before? I mean, maybe. It was, I wasn't super familiar with it. If I'd heard it, it was maybe once or twice, like, while I was doing other things in passing. Right. Hadn't really paid that much attention to it. Right. So. I thought that that might be what your mountain would be. And so when you said that you changed your mind, I thought it would be something else. Oh. I thought you would have picked this one just for, it just seems so, obviously it's 1980s. It's very, it's overdramatic, but in a very believable way and is delivered as like a great actor would deliver lines. It's very heartfelt and like he was searching for some kind of truth that he knew was out there, but couldn't find it. And if you would just give me this one thing that I know that I could be a better person. Mm-hmm. So it is also my mountain. Aww, I completely agree. Um, I thought it was Prince's first great storytelling song that he ever recorded. Very poetic. And whether or not it was ever intended for 1999, I do think if it had been included, it could have been like the... It would have been huge. It would have been the Purple Rain of 1999 to me. There are a lot of people who ask, what's the big deal about Moonbeam Levels? It's not that great of a song. And I just, I couldn't disagree more. Just if you put it in context for the type of music, he was recording songs like chocolate and don't you want to see my tootsie roll Uh and then also something as heartfelt and touching as moonbeam levels Uh and and quirky and weird and to to have a song title that makes people ask what is is this and it's not like it's a made-up word it's two two two-syllable words and somehow put together yeah they turn into something that you've not you, you can relate to but you're not quite sure what they are and even the lyrics dance around it a little bit which is really neat yeah I love that it's left open to interpretation. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to the end of our videos, B-sides, extended versions, unreleased versions episode for 1999. There was a lot here. So in two episodes of this 1999 podcast, we covered a double album and easily another double album worth of songs plus four videos. Yeah. And we're not done yet with 1999. Not, Not nearly. So here's what we're doing next time. I thought about this long and hard, but not as hard as what's behind door number pants. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, I thought about maybe we should combine the time and Vanity Six's album into one episode next time, and I don't think we're going to do that. No, I don't think we are. I think we're going to give each one its own episode. So next time will be our very first episode dedicated to an album by the time. It will be What Time Is It? We know it was largely written and performed by Prince, even though all the members of the time... Uh, get credit where credit really is not due. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be a very fun album to uh, visit and revisit. One uh, one song from the album came up on our HomePod shuffle, and you asked me what it was, and you were surprised to hear that it was from this album. Yep. Um, we're also going to include, though, a B-side from What Time Is It? It's a song called Grace, which was oh, the B-side okay. to 777-9311. 
Um, so since the t- we're just going to focus an episode on the Times album, we'll include that B-side in that discussion. Well, that's only fair. If yep. Carmen Electra can get an entire episode out of us, then the time absolutely deserves it. That is also part of my reasoning. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us. We know that you make a choice when you listen to us, and we very much appreciate it. And we will see you in a couple of weeks when we talk about... What time is it? And what time it is. What time it is. (laughs) Thanks for listening.